about the time she walked away from me. Hello, everybody. It is your boy, your man, the myth, the legend, Curtis John Pruitt. I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Colby Berg. Berg, what's good, dude? What's happening, man? How you doing? I am good. My tummy is full. I am working on a baby nursery. Things are moving quickly. Um, yeah, dude, such is life. And I think there's some some exciting things going on right now in terms of jazz basketball. Uh, what's what's new with you, dude? It's crazy. Um, first of all, what's new with me? Uh, not a whole lot, honestly. I got back uh, from a quick little trip to the old island of Oahu, and so. I've uh, gone from one extreme, nice, hot UV rays torching my skin to I was telling you that I forgot to turn on my heater in my house because I was gone, and uh, I woke up on Monday morning and my house was 53 degrees, so I'm just (laughs) dealing with the fact that summer is just about over, and uh, probably the fact that next time I see you at this rate, because I see you once every like three months, um, we're on the verge of potential me holding your baby, so... (laughs) Kind of nuts, man. That's crazy. Funny story, though, is um, I remember before I even moved in, I was over at your house one time, and your dad was over there, and he was so freaking (laughs) pissed at you with how cold you kept your freaking apartment or your house. He was just like, (laughs) it was like 50-something degrees. He's like, I'm wearing a coat. Kurt's wearing a coat. You can turn the heater on. (laughs) Dude, I remember we were trying to set up my TV. This is the first week I moved in. It was the middle of December, and... I'll be honest, I was 25 years old, I just bought a house, and all of a sudden I started thinking, and I thought I'd run the cost and everything beforehand, but I'm like, man, I'm going to save myself, what, 10 bucks on the utilities by keeping the keeping the heat off? Very <laughs> sick of me, to be honest, but uh, such is the life of a new homeowner with uh, ignorance, and uh, definitely not blissful. So, <laughs> yeah, good times. Shout out to Todd. Shout out Todd. Um, Berg. This week's been fun as a jazz fan because Monday we had we had the media day, right? And we're starting to roll into training camp. So, jazz news, fun. Media day was on Monday and we're in the middle of a lot of not safe for work videos and pictures being passed around. I'm currently an HR nightmare because people keep keep telling my management that Kurt's looking at inappropriate things on my phone, like Donovan wearing the mountain jerseys or Mike Conley hitting five threes in a row while warming up. Um, but the thing the thing about this is is the excitement is basically tangible, and I don't mean that just between our text thread. I mean it's everywhere. It's in my office. It's in the city. I don't think the city's ever been this excited in my adult life for a, for a jazz season and we have a preseason game on Friday so things are really close we're a few weeks away we're almost there and what I think why this is so fun is we're seeing things unfold before our eyes like this offseason we saw names being signed and we were talking future state for so many months it feels like but this future state is here and we're actually seeing video evidence of these players being on the team and it puts the jazz front of mind i mean i'll get lost at my desk just daydreaming about different lineups and then i get even more excited because i know quinn snyder is thinking of these lineups as well but about 10 times deeper than i am at 5 30 in the morning as he sips like his sixth cup of coffee and i absolutely love it and i'm so excited but uh, a question to you kolb is what's something that you kind of have your eye on that we haven't really talked about yet Dude, jazz-wise, uh, before I answer that question, I, I just have to say I can't contain my giddiness. Like Conversations at work will come up, and, and there is really a buzz around the city of anticipation. And I feel like when I get talking, I start saying things that I really I can't believe are coming out of my mouth. Like, yeah, I mean, there's a legitimate possibility that we're the number one seed going into the playoffs. Or, yeah, you know, obviously contention and, and everything that goes along with it. And it just sounds crazy. And then I realized that we have to endure some preseason games. But uh, to answer your question, um, I can't help but think like we. So of course it goes without saying that Donovan, or excuse me, that Mike Conley and Boyan Vogdanovich are going to open up our really our first unit as offensively. Ingles will be our fifth off best offensive player instead of probably our second, um, which is crazy to say, or fourth at least. And so that all kind of goes without saying. So I would say the most like under the radar thing that I'm kind of excited about is the potential for 
our backup point guards, both Emmanuel Moutier and Dante Exum, to do some crazy, crazy cool things this year. Uh, Moutier, I mean, he started for the Knicks last year. He started for Denver. He averaged like 25 minutes and 25 minutes with each of them. Um, he got buckets. Yes, he was pretty inefficient. Yes, he, his defense wasn't great. But the fact that he was willing to humble himself and come learn under Quinn and Mike Conley's tutelage kind of makes me think that he's definitely open to change. And if you can channel the the obvious blatant talent that he has into a more efficient manner, I mean, just, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want to start making projections, but if Moutier turns out to pan out like a top lottery pick and Exum does too, and I know we've countless people are thinking right now in your cars and I say screw you for thinking this that Dante's injury prone that he's accident prone that he's a waste of money I don't want to hear it you can at me once this is over he's worth the investment he's an awesome kid he's mature he's worked hard and I think between Dante and Manuel uh, Moutier that one of those has to hit and something cool is going to happen so that's why I'm low-key excited for that it's funny you say that because I I was thinking Dante too, and this comes after seeing him on media day because he's absolutely jacked right now. I mean, in terms of what he was before, the skinny little baby giraffe, he's now upgraded to maybe like a baby tiger. And what I want to see from Dante more than anything is just to see him, right? Like, be realistic, 70 games this year, and we can give him 12-ish games of these little dings and knocks that you get throughout the season, but a healthy season He's already when it comes the playoffs, and I just want to see him come in and just be a defensive eraser. We don't need Dante to be this crazy offensive player right now. I hope he can turn into that. I mean, still 22, 20 something years old, really young. And I just want him to come in, though, and be that guy that just makes stars' lives miserable. And I think he has the length and the quickness to do that. Obviously, like you said, um, the, the injuries can be scary, especially lower body injuries. Is he still explosive? But he had so much explosion beforehand. I think he can still keep it. Uh, the Moutier thing's interesting too. It's not something that I've been thinking about, but keep in mind, Jazz fans, that the Moutier thing is going to be everything we get is icing on the cake this year, and that's a project because Quinn Snyder and Johnny Bryant and company are so good at developing talent. That's what Moutier came here for, right? He wants to be a better basketball player, and we're known for being being able to find what players are good at and enhancing that, and then also being able to hide their flaws. And I think Moutier wants to take that step, and like you said, that's very exciting for us. Um, anything else you want to add to the Jazz season before we kind of move into things here, Berg? Dude, no. Just my excitement cannot be bridled, and... Uh... This is going to be one for the ages. So if anybody's kind of on the fence about whether or not you should tune in or whatever, granted, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a jazz fan. But uh, I, I really honestly hope that this is one for the memory books this whole season. And uh, yeah, we're just about there. October 23rd. A few weeks away, Cole. I mean, listen to this. Listen to these two days. October 22nd is my beloved Sonny, the dog's birthday. And we roll right into jazz tip off. So those are a great two days for me. Dude, and uh, Simon the dog, the golden retriever, uh, turns eight years old on October eighth, and Whoa, so man. long in the tooth. There, that's pretty Simon. crazy. So that's awesome. I love. He Simon. is long in the tooth. Yep. So the puppies are getting a year older. The Jazz are starting, and uh, life is good. So yeah. yeah, man. So what's on the docket for today? Well, I'm thinking right now we can do a little subscribe, unsubscribe. Um, there's something I want to subscribe to, and. It's gonna. I need. I need to set the stage here, so if you can bear with me. So, like the jazz season coming around, that means things are starting to cool off outside. The trees are starting to change. It's it's prime pumpkin spice latte season. And there's something really peculiar about this time of year because each and every year, stores start putting out Christmas merchandise a little bit earlier. And I, this this actually isn't going in the direction what you're probably thinking of right now. I am not unsubscribing to stores putting out merchandise right now. I mean, I'm, I'm unsubscribed to that, but this isn't what this is about. This conversation is for another time, but, but what I'm... Okay, let me rewind here. Because of these stores putting out Christmas things, there's a chain reaction going on. And people want Christmas time in their lives sooner. So what does that mean, Cole? It means they're going to start playing Christmas music sooner 
and as soon as this month in October. And and again, that's fine. It's fine if you love Christmas u- music, but there's one very, very big casualty as a result of this. There's a very specific holiday song for a very specific holiday that is constantly overlooked and underappreciated. And I'm here to say with as much emphasis as I possibly can that the Monster Mash is a top shelf holiday song in one of the greatest of all time. And I am in every sense of the word subscribed to the Monster Mash, Colby Berg. This song has it all, okay? Oh my gosh. I hear bubbles. You gave me a good idea. So I'm I can I can cue this music in. I'm gonna cue in the Monster Mash while I talk about this. It is a bop. Okay, so this song has it all, Colt, like we just heard. As a tempo that makes you want to do a little jig. It's got the backing vocals that oh, you know what I'm talking about. As the Transylvanian accented vocals, which is a nice touch. And one would even say that this song is a graveyard smash. But Kolb, I took notes on this song. I want to break it down for a second because this isn't just a song. It's a song. It's a song. Listen, listen to this. It's a song about possibly the biggest rager party of all time. This is from the. This comes straight from the lyrics of the song. So, from what I can gather, Dr. Frankenstein's chilling, and out of the blue, his monster gets up and starts doing this dance that must have been the most epic dance of all time. I mean, we're talking Soldier Boy, Thriller. The Backpack Kid, uh, The Swing from whatever generation, all of them combined in the most epic dance of all time. The Jerk, Coach's Jerkin', I mean... Shout out Kowser, shout out Stevenette, shout out Garrata. Shout out Rata, dude. Um, <laughs> the Monster Match, right? This is, what, this is what the dance is called, and this party was so epic that he had ghouls showing up from their humble abodes, Wolfman, Dracula, even Dracula's son was there, the vocal group called... The Crypt Kicker 5, whoever they are, they show up and throw this. I'm thinking like that fire party or whatever it was called. I'm thinking what that was supposed to be in reality times 12. But of course, just like the fire festival, there's a lot of controversy around this because Dracula start calling people out. He's like, yo, Frankenstein. I made this before. It's called the Transylvania Twist. And he's like, dude, sorry, man. It's the Monster Mash. And they ended up being friends, and it's it's a it's a good story. And every song Berg tells a story. But this song takes telling a story to a whole new level, and I'm fully subscribed to the Monster Mash. Dude, I love it. Side, Just a side thing. Growing up, when you think about Transylvania, I feel like that was like the most terrifying city you could think of, or country, or I don't even know what I thought it was then, but it was... You know, you think of Transylvania, that's up there with, like, quicksand. That's up there with poison dart frogs as, like, things that you think would be, like, a big deal in your life as you get older. And in reality, they don't really turn out to be that. I would go out and say quicksand's, like, top three scariest things in the world. I would make that leap. Yeah, I would make that leap. But, yeah. Yeah. I I hear you. And then I I guess Transylvania is a a pretty gorgeous place, turns out. That's what they say. That's what they say. But yeah, man, I'm all I'm all for supporting the Monster Mash. It definitely has it has the the catchiness. It has the head bob ability. It has the staying power. I mean, I'll be honest. Like Halloween's a fun holiday. Like I'm down with it. But you know, randomly, if uh, if I'm just like in the middle of summer or spring or something, and someone says Monster or the word Mash is somehow involved, the first thing I think of is you know, just the Monster Mash, and you start singing in your head. So it's got all the right makings oh, yeah. to be a classic holiday song. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. I feel like this is the year, I'm calling it, this is the year that Christmas goes way over the top and people start listening to Christmas music in like two weeks. And then finally, like, this is as extreme as it gets. Then people will regain their sanity. And uh, I think, I think the, the you know, the fourth quarter holidays and – uh, Columbus Day and Halloween and uh, Thanksgiving will make their push back and we'll beat we'll beat Christmas back into its its natural place. But I don't know. We'll see. Maybe not. It could just be it could just be a freight train that never stops. Who knows, man? I mean, that jolly old Saint Nick is one one crazy man, and he runs he runs the holidays. Um, Cole, 
Rumor is that you have something you want to talk about. Are you subscribing or unsubscribing right. or something? Give me one second. I'm getting on my freaking soapbox here. If there's one thing that boils my blood, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because, of course, like we've already talked about and we've already established, the jazz season's coming up. Something near and dear to my heart. The jazz team is an organization um means so much more to me than just like a standard team and it honestly feels like family it's the reason that i feel like a lot of relationships with friends and family so close because the jazz and like mixed with a few other things have kind of brought us together but it's definitely been the bond that's held us together uh, especially since graduating and so the jazz mean a lot to me and so do the players um and so this is what i'm gonna say everybody knows Somebody that either on Twitter, we'll we'll start, we'll go with Twitter and Instagram too. I'll come across tweets from quote unquote fans or casual observers from people that are, and this isn't just necessarily directed at jazz players, but players in general, but it really boils my blood when it's directed at jazz players. When freaking out of shape, melted candle, Look, or melted ice cream looking people like the casual, we'll call it sports fan, start tweeting at our jazz players or at anybody and calling them out for sucking, calling them out for, you know, whatever, whether it's vulgar or not, just saying like you suck. Honestly, anything that anything derogatory or negative from somebody sitting on the couch or I don't even. I can't even spit it out because it frustrates me so much. If you're gonna tweet crap at players, honestly, you don't deserve to be either a considered a fan or b you you just need to check yourself because it goes. It's as easy as this. If you want, wouldn't say it to their face, don't freaking tweet it to them. It's that simple. And so for whatever reason. People hide behind their keyboard and will tweet at players when in reality they're tweeting pure gibberish. They probably don't know what they're talking about. And even if they do, they wouldn't say it in person. And it drives me crazy. It's a terrible look. And I'm sorry I'm just kind of spewing out this, spewing this out. But it's something I have to get off my chest and it's not complicated. Don't tweet negative crap at players, especially jazz players. Especially <laughs> if you wouldn't tell it to them in person. And I'm sorry... That's what I had to get off my chest. I'm unsubscribing. I'm unsubscribing to people tweeting at athletes, whether just anything negative. Um, I I can I can definitely unsubscribe to that. I can unsubscribe to basically anyone tweeting at any sort of celebrity. Do you remember, Burke? Do you remember when Twitter was kind of in its oh, infancy, and there was always people when when athletes oh. <laughs> when athletes or celebrities were getting twitter and stuff there was always those people like like kobe bryant please retweet me if you retweet me Dude, it would mean everything exactly in my what i was thinking it would mean everything it would make my life your retweet literally hinges on what i see as my self-worth basically do you remember that Dude, that sucked I, and it's kind of in the same vein terrible. like this idea that you I don't know. People think because they have Twitter and they have Twitter, like it's a quick, easy route to get to them. But come on, man, just don't do that. I'm unsubscribing to just like, I mean, it's cool to be like, hey, man, like you were great tonight. Like be positive about it. But the negative thing or like begging for them to just acknowledge you, that's just pathetic. Like I'll unsubscribe right. to that. Just don't do that. Like that's... your self-worth hinges yeah. on whether or not Kobe Bryant or Junkyard Dog lights your tweet or something. Shout out to the Junkyard Dog. But yeah, dude, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. I'm all for the positivity because chances are like, if you came across like Donnie or Rudy at city Creek after the game, at, as they're eating their cheesecake factory, you'd probably say good game, dude. Like that's totally normal. So, or I'm a I'm huge fan. Is, hey, I'm a huge fan. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome to say, but Hey Rudy, you're soft, dude. Get more rebounds. Really? You're going to say that to Rudy Gobert, the seven foot imposing man. You're going to say that to his face? If you do, good for you. But you're not. And don't tweet it at him yeah. either just because you have the interwebs between you and him. Amen. Amen. It's really that simple. So I know I was stumbling over my words when I tried to introduce this topic, but it's not difficult. 
And honestly, I probably don't like you if you're going to do that stuff. And yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, so, here's a question. Here's a question. Here's a question. I'm fully unsubscribed to that too. Are you unsubscribed to people being critical on Twitter, but with that, without a mention? So if someone just like frustratedly tweets like, oh man, Mike Connolly can't hit a shot tonight. He's off or he sucks tonight. Would you, are you okay with that or just leave that off too? So I'll say two things. One is everybody is entitled to their opinion. Um, Again, it is a public platform and not saying that Mike Conley looks his, looks at like Google's his name or whatever and looks at tweets where he's not necessarily added but where he's just mentioned by people. Um, I don't know, man. I'm just mostly for keeping Twitter like an Instagram and social media a positive place overall unless it's like, you know, I'm, I'm known for – or not known but, you know, I'll tweet out something overly dramatic and just kind of like extreme just for the like the fun of it but not like towards a player or towards anybody but – I don't know. I'm I'm still kind of out. I can't decide. Um, it is a public forum, and people I know people are just trying to get their thoughts off. And I don't necessarily understand the point of tweeting out something like that. Um, like, are they trying to get people to disagree with them and engage in conversation with them, or they just want people to know their thought? I don't know. Um, I'm mostly out on it. I personally don't think I've tweeted anything. At least if about a, a team that I'm a fan of or a player that I'm a fan of um, in like a negative light, but that might just be me. I don't know. Cause I'm a Homer. That's yeah. where I'm with that. Okay. Yeah. I think, I mean, for me, if, if you want to do it, do it. It doesn't completely upset me, but at mentioning them is a little bit like now you're just trying to get attention out of this too. And you're being, you're just being a douche. Um, yeah. So here's I have a fun little topic I want to talk about. We can just spend a few minutes on this. Um, I was going to text you about this. I might have a little bit, but kind of something that's funny since we're in, we're in October, you know, things are spooky, things are funny. And for some reason, um, AFI came up on my Spotify shuffle. So I went down this funny rabbit hole of re-listening to a lot of AFI, which just seems really fitting for this time of year. And, I got to be honest, I think Sing the Sorrow is maybe a top five pump-up album of all time. I'm just going to throw it out there. We can talk about this if you want, if not. Um, but I'm just saying, dude, that that record still is pretty dang good. Dude, I have to agree with you. I think I'd probably put it in one of my top five albums uh, personally ever. And definitely, it actually might be. And, you know, like the very first podcast, we talked about which albums we've listened to the most um, since you know, throughout our lives from start to finish. And, and honestly, Sing the Sorrow might be one of them uh, for me. And yeah, it's it's classic. I have, you know, some fun memories because be, obviously it's a pre, it's like a heavier, like darker album. So it's not one that you think like you listen to with like a bunch of friends um, as you're like, you know, just hanging out. But for whatever reason, and, and the kids that I hung out with in high school weren't like super music aficionados. Obviously, we kind of had like your group of friends and my group of friends were all kind of the same group of friends, but there was like a slight invisible line just based on the fact that we hung out with other people a little bit more. And, but we were, if we were like, you know, ghost hunting or whatever, AFI sing the sorrow, man. It was, uh, it was like the soundtrack to a lot of fun adventures. And, and honestly, it's just such a well-crafted fun, just good freaking album. So I was way stoked when he texted me about that because, uh, I agree 100%. I, uh, I showed it to Emily. She didn't. Lo- she didn't love it. Shout out to Emily. Um, it's a little bit harder for her. So of course yep. I'm like, well, you got to see what this guy looks like. So we went home <laughs> and I I pulled up that uh, live that live video. Yes. Of, what? <laughs> I don't the even know how, song part two. Yes, and Davy's in Davy's in <laughs> a white cutoff with suspenders the and black like, suspenders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the long black Davy Havoc hair. And this is when Davy was jacked, dude. Like, I don't. Those were the. He was known for like just pumping iron, like at Warp Tour, like he would just have like a bench and he would just work out all the time. And Davey was jacked, dude. And he's this huge man, imposing man, but he has these suspenders, white cutoff, full sleeves, guy liner on, classic early two thousand skyliner, jet black hair, down to down down his back, and then he has those like those half sleeves that women wear sometimes, like those nylon half sleeves, not like not like half sleeves that you see like football players wear, but like half sleeves of the, those nylon, like girly, like whatever on it. 
it's a trip, dude. And they're like capris, but a top. Yeah. And <laughs> honestly, they sound so freaking good in that video. So anyone wants to Google it or YouTube it, it's it's very old. Don't go full screen because it's so pixelated. But the sound's great. Shout out to AFI. Shout out to the spooky month of October. Good times. One hundred percent. Whoever you are right now, take up that challenge. Drop what you're doing. Go watch the music video. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, it's a treat. It's great music. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm so glad you brought that up. Good stuff. Yep. Um. So we did mailbag questions, didn't we, Berg? We did the mailbag, man. We've we've advertised the mailbag a few times, and uh, we've gotten a, a decent amount of responses. And for whatever reason, there were a couple times where we decided to go other ways with the podcast and didn't necessarily give the responses any sort of credit or any sort of uh, response on our end. And so we thought like it'd be we felt like it'd be a good time to to do some mailbag, and we got a lot of participation from people. So we're gonna try and go through a bunch of these kind of like old school around the horn or PTI. Um, I'll be Kornheiser. You can be Wilbon, and uh, we'll we'll do quick hitters on a few of these. So I'll answer them quickly and move along. Others we might spend some more time on, depending how the conversation goes. But uh, we appreciate everybody for submitting their stuff. And if we don't answer your question today, it doesn't mean we hate you. It just means ask better questions. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, ask. Uh, don't give up. Keep asking questions because eventually we'll uh, we'll hit them. Sorry, Stence, your question's not getting answered. In case uh, you're listening right now, you sick freak. Okay. Hit me with one. So let's let's get this underway. Okay. So the first one nervous is we'll go with this one. I'm nervous. Oh wait, hold on. I'm just flipping through it. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Sorry, I, my phone just flipped. All right. So we've already we've already talked a little bit about we've already talked some jazz, but we'll hit a, we hit a, we got a few jazz questions, so we'll hit some of these. Okay, from Alex Lang, shout out Alex Lang on the island of Oahu, uh, my former uh, well current friend. Uh, we had a funny story on the islands uh, recently about getting lost on a mountain, but uh, we'll go there another day. Alex Lang wants to know he's a Portland Trailblazers fan. He's from Portland. He said, "Would you trade Dame for Donovan?" Nah. Pass, and this is why Dame's more polished. He's better off right now. Donovan's younger, and he's way cheaper. Yeah, man. Uh, is that is that not realistic of me? No, it's one hundred percent realistic. I thought about it too. I, I agree. Dame is obviously probably a better leader and better player right now. Yeah. But yeah, we've got we've got Donnie on a cheaper contract. Um, I feel like Donovan's ceiling might be a little bit higher. It could be some homerism. Um, He doesn't quite shoot the three as well. Uh, He could come around to that. He doesn't quite shoot the three as well as Dame right now. Mm -hmm. But uh, he definitely gets to the rack more. I think he's maybe a little bit better playmaker and uh, uh, slightly more athletic. And and honestly, there's just like that. Obviously, Dame has the Weber State connection, so it's kind of like a hometown-like appreciation. But Donnie, um, the way he's basically interwoven himself in the community here and i know that you know that could be temporary and who knows what happens five years down the road but i think it's a good question i actually thought about it for a second but i mean if you had dame on this team right now you have to think that you're probably a finals contender at least a finals favorite which is actually insane yeah well i'll say this if we're trading for one season right now right now only i take damian lillard if i'm a gm and like things like contracts and future and youth and things like that do play into it i'll take donovan mitchell okay is yep. that fair that's, is that fair uh, i mean realistically like i'm not i'm not an idiot damian lillard's a better basketball player than donovan right now it's the truth yep and i would yep. take him i would take him like if we're just looking like one season or nothing you know like just all or nothing right now damian future donovan i would as well it's a great question alex lang thanks for making us think about Thank that you, alex and, lang uh, Oahu or uh, Aloha, Mahalo, and uh, I hope that the sunshine's treating you right right now. Okay, <laughs> next question from my buddy Ryan Osterlo, former Ute basketball player, current Fidelity aficionado, and uh, he wants to know: Would you rather have a year of free crumble and Cafe Rio, or a signed basketball by Donovan? What's your answer, Berg? This one's more for you. 
Man, everybody knows I'm a Cafe Rio fiend. I'm a crumble cookie fiend. I rarely uh, adventure too far on the sweets end, but you know I'm lined up at, at Crumble at least once a week to try those new flavors to take at least uh, a few chunks out of those cookies. You know, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to take the one year of Rio and one year of Crumble, and every night that we have a jazz game, I'll offer it to my friends. We'll watch the Jazz win, and hopefully they win the championship, they win the finals, and uh, that would probably outshine having a signed ball by Donnie. Granted, Donnie's probably going to be the GOAT, and uh, the ball's going to be worth millions, which could be worth more than a year of Crumble in Cafe Rio, but honestly, sometimes you just have to, you just have to follow your tongue in uh, the least crazy <laughs> way possible, and you got to go with the Crumble and, and the Rio. So that's where I am. Appreciate the question, Mr. Osterlo. Uh, I do the same. I mean, you put sugar in front of me, put Cafe Rio in front of me. I'll take that 10 out of 10 times. I could eat it every day. Like, not even a question every single day. I don't know if I could do every day, but I definitely could. And if it's free, I'll probably be going there every day. Yeah. Um, Heaven knows my palate isn't quite refined, and we've been over this before. Speaking of Cafe Rio, well, we can go to that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, so I'm down. Go ahead. Um, Berg, here's one on my end. Shout out to Will Wonder, aka Doug Brothers. Uh, we work together. I love Doug. Shout out to Doug. And I feel like I'm going to be under the radar answering this question. But he says, in the spirit of Halloween, what's your favorite horror film of all time? Berg, do you have an answer for this? Ooh. Yeah, I think I do. I'm not going to think long and hard about this. The first thing that came to my mind, and honestly, don't judge me for this. Anybody out there, listeners, if... You don't agree with me. You're going to have to sit down and watch the show because The Ring, just The Ring, is a classic, OG, thrilling, terrifying movie for a lot of reasons. The storyline is great. It's got a freaky kid. Every scary movie needs a way messed up kid. They've got one of those. Um, It's got suspense. It's got a creepy phone that rings. Honestly, it has the makings of like a great scary movie that – doesn't have to have like the gore and like people getting chopped up but it's got a very very haunting vibe to it that leaves you a little unsettled once you're done watching mm-hmm. and it's just it's just a classic all around yeah. so go home and watch the ring if you haven't seen it um so when i first watched the ring shout out to our beloved tom barnes on this podcast we watched <laughs> we started watching it in his basement freaked out of well, I mean, we were really. When did that come out? We were in elementary school. I was freaked out beyond belief. So we had to finish I it. I saw it for the first time in, I want to say it was eighth grade. Okay. Is it that late on? Well, I'm, I might have been late to it, but okay. it was eighth grade when I saw it. Well, I remember we weren't. Uh, I, he probably was able to finish it. He was fearless back then, but I wasn't able to finish it. We had to finish it in, in the light time uh, the next day. That's the scaredest, like the most scared I've ever been watching a movie. But what's cool about The Ring, and I'll back you on this, I think it's, I think it's a great horror movie. It's also a mystery, and you go down that rabbit hole of kind of like uncovering what's going on, and you you get clues, and you learn what means what, and that's kind of fun. I always love movies like that, so I can back the ring, but for me, it's tough. There's a lot of horror movies out there. I would say I, I like horror a lot, but I'm more of a thriller guy, so we're talking more like Silence of the Lambs, or Prisoners, or like Shutter Island, but... There are a few horrors that I love, and right now I kind of want to say like the new It actually is up up there for me. But in terms of favorite horror, I'm thinking of that term horror, like what's truly horrifying to me. I'm gonna go old school here. I'm gonna keep it short. I'm just gonna say it's John Car- John Carpenter's The Thing. And for those of you who don't know, John Carpenter's kind of the godfather of horror. He made the original Halloween, yada yada. And I just feel like this movie was him stepping up a little bit and I don't know if it's the scariest movie of all time, but what makes it so scary is you don't know who the thing is. It can be your friend. It could be, you know, I don't know if you've seen a bird, but it's basically this creature that turns into people. So through the entire movie, it has Kurt Russell in it, which is awesome. But throughout this movie, you're like, who is the thing? Like, is it this guy? Is it this guy? And he's changing as he's killing these things. So it's pretty horrifying. You're isolated. Um, I'm going to go actually go old school on this and say John Carpenter's The Thing. So. I appreciate that. I haven't seen it. I probably should. Maybe that's – I'll put that on my Halloween list. Um, but, yeah, I'm down for that. And that, that does sound a little more horror I guess 
the ring is kind of horror, but mostly oh, it's thriller. Horror. If I was going runner up, would be the hot would be hostile. Shout out to hostile. <laughs> Shout out to that's a, just a, that's a gore fest, dude. It's, it's pretty messed up. I remember senior year, uh, we were driving down to watch a BYU basketball game. Shout out to Martino, and uh, we had Todd Helgeson's DVD player in his car. It was like a portable DVD player, and there were like six of us crammed in his tiny little Accord, or uh, yeah, I think it was an Accord. And uh, we were watching Hostel, and it honestly scarred me forever. So that'll be number two on my list. But yeah, okay. Good things. Uh, some long-winded answers there. So let's give some quick ones. How many shots do you need to make a half-court shot? I'm saying Berg over 100, Kurt over 10. Berg, how many do you wow. need to hit a half-court? That's that is Jake Robertson, by the way. Shout out Jake, big fan of the pod, big fan of you, man. Berg, how many shots do you need? Shout, shout out to Jake for listening. Shout out to him for the question shout out to jordan also who listens i believe um i'll be honest jake text me after this pod's over after you listen we'll put a bet on it i'll put a bet that i make it in less than 10 shots that i will say and you you, i think you put me in at 100 just barely so i think this (laughs) might be a quick way for me to make some money but uh let's bet a crumble cookie or some cafe rio on that i like my odds i'm no sharpshooter but uh i think i think less than 10 is definitely realistic there yeah, I feel like I'm right around the 10 mark, too. So maybe we should have a, a shoot-off. Um, let's see. Berg. Oh, Landon Bybee asks how many questions I can ask. Landon, ask away as many as you want. He also asks, what am I going to be for Halloween? I have no idea what I'm going to be for Halloween. I'm going to let my wife decide that. Cole, what are you going to be for Halloween? I don't know. You saw my last text about what I thought about originally about being for Halloween, but I changed my mind. And uh, Thank goodness for that. kind of up. Yeah, they're still kind of up in the air. I'll be honest, the last two or three years, I don't think I've dressed up. Um, so, yeah, I'll have to rack my brain a little bit, but uh, I'll come up with something good. Um, good question. It gets the, gets the brain firing a little bit. Favorite podcasts besides your own? Landon Bybee also asks. Oh, man. That's a great question. So, go ahead. You, you go first. Yeah. Um, I've got... I like I like some of the Ringer ones. I like their movie. I like the Rewatchables is probably the most fun podcast, which they go back and just talk about old movies that are great. Not not necessarily like like the 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 artsy like darlings, but just like the fun movies. I like that one. Um, the new Ryan Rosillo podcast with Chris Long. I'm really enjoying right now. It's every Monday after football week, and they just kind of talk about it. I really like that one. But my favorite podcast of all time. Shout out to my man Dan Carlin. Hardcore history. Um, there is a specific series under this called A Blueprint for Armageddon. It's about World War One. It's about 16 hours long, total in length. Everyone go listen to that. It's probably the most put-together podcast I've ever listened to. Berg, go ahead. I second that. Blueprint for Armageddon is awesome. Um, I would say my favorite... Oh, it's tough to say. So I'm a big fan of the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, I've been... Honestly, a lot of the science, the business, and the uh, the fitness people that he's had on on his podcast, I've actually gone out and searched separately and learned a lot from. So that I appreciate. Um, I would say from a sports, I, lo- I love Bill Simmons' podcast. He's a super Celtics homer, but it's kind of fun, and I, I, I appreciate his homerisms, and I can identify with that as a jazz fan. Um, for fitness, recently I've been listening to uh, Mark Bell's Power Project, and they've got a bunch of cool episodes, and random fitness topics about health, nutrition, exercise, stuff like that. I think that's super interesting. And I would say, oh, last but not least, uh, the podcast, and it's called Hoy Hablamos. And it's a podcast put on by a guy named Roy that lives in Spain. And it's basically a daily podcast in Spanish to keep up my uh, my Spanish chops, and uh, he kind of talks about random interesting things about whatever's going on there. So those Weird. would be my top podcasts. <laughs> uh, that's yep. great. Uh, yep. My wife, the map. my wife Emily asks, "Who? Do, this is for me specifically. Who do you love most? Tunny or Tunny? That's her little dog. And the answer is Doopy Whoopy. Um, Berg, what do you have for me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, this one's important. Shout okay. out to Tyson Mall. I. Tyson Mall is uh, – I used to play baseball with him going way back, and uh, he's an A's fan. So shout-out to the A's, one of the few A's fans that I know, him and Aaron Heaton. Shout-out to Aaron, softball teammate and friend. Um, 
He asks, what is the correct way to eat pizza? Well, my answer here, and I want to steal something from Reese, is there's no wrong way to eat pizza, man. That is that is God's gift to the world, and you eat that any way you want. But you're a weirdo if you eat it upside down. I'm going to disagree with you. There's one weird way to eat pizza. There's one wrong way to eat pizza, and that's with ranch dressing, you freaking pervert. Whoever you are using ranch dressing to spoil your pizza, how dare you? Um, so yeah, there's there's one wrong way to eat pizza, and that is with ranch, but... Pretty much other than that, you're, you're, you're basically good to go. I think if you're trying to aim for like five stars out of five stars on your pizza eating experience, you should either have pineapple. Yeah, that's not a hot take. Pineapple's great on pizza, and I don't care if you disagree. Pause. Um, no, maybe pause. Da- you're, saying, oh you're saying pineapple's great and ranch is weird. Everyone take note. Who's the more normal one on the podcast? Thank you very much. Everybody know if you dislike pineapple, you have issues. I'll be real; I've never tried ranch dressing in my entire life, nor do and, I plan to. So you're so again the, the strength in my argument. You're saying eating something you've never had before is disgusting, but here you are. I mean, I'm, I love pineapple no. too. I love pineapple more than maybe. Well, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go Trumpism on you, but I love pineapple a lot. I just don't necessarily like it on my Spencer pizza. Wiggins I don't almost. hate it on my pizza. I don't hate it. But I'm going to say I can definitely say ranch is a lot better on my pizza than pineapple. All I'm, I'm going to say this. Think of – okay, there are – who in your life or that you know of, who are the two biggest fans of ranch dressing? And don't tell me over the – don't tell me over this podcast or we could get in trouble. Don't tell me over the podcast, but think of who the two biggest fans of ranch dressing are. One Carson I can say Carson Morley Carson and the Morley. other one we're not going to name. Maybe my hello- – <laughs> we're not going to go there. Okay, we're leaving it and at then that, everyone. Think think of their credibility and then ask yourself, is ranch dressing an appropriate ingredient for anything? The answer is no. I don't have to try it to find out. And So yeah, hold on. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna counter this. These two people are talking about one is the most credible human being on the planet, and the other one's Carson Morley. And ranch is delicious. Put it on your pizza, eat pizza the way you want, especially with ranch. It's made for pizza. Don't listen to Berg. If you like pineapple, that's fine. It's a little weird. I'm not against it. I'll eat if it if it's in front of me. But don't believe that ranch is bad on pizza. It's delicious. You know, I will say pizza is meant to be enjoyed. I personally think ranch is spoiling it. But honestly, live and let live. Do what Te- you will. <laughs> Teach their own, and, man. Uh, and we'll go from there. All right. Next Great question. Great question, Tyson. Great question, Hope you're Tyson. well. Next question. Ooh, this is a good one. Shout out to Hayden Peterson, trading those kids, watching hoops. I know he's not necessarily a jazz fan. Um, we'll still let you on the bandwagon if you want to join us. Um, he wants to know, Dame's new diss track on Shaq. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Kurt, have you had a chance to hear the diss track? No, I saw what Shaq came at uh, Dame with. I haven't, I haven't heard the diss track, but I'm sure it's probably better than what Shaq said. So I'm going to just be thumbs up guessing. I don't know. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up and then a side thumbs because from a sheer perspective, like sheer flames perspective, like if you put a piece of toast to the speakers, you'd probably honestly toast your, your – or if you put a piece of bread to your speakers, you'd probably toast it a little bit. You could melt some butter on it because Dame's track was hot. It was fire. The music, the beat, his overall just flow, super solid. So that's I honestly give that a thumbs up. He did happen to say that Kobe won Shaq the rings. I think that's a severe misstep. Um, I, I think Shaq yeah. was a major proponent in winning those rings. And then he also mentioned that uh, that Dwayne Wade carried him as a, as a guy on the Heat. So I think obviously you know I think a lot of it was in good fun, um, but I feel like Dame potentially could have not gone there because he's just wrong. He was right in a lot of other ways. He dissed his shoes. Dame dissed Shaq's shoes and then talked about how Dames are way better, which are true. Shout out to the hangmans, but they, they weren't that great as shoes. You, you don't so, like the Shaq, nope, Shaq Gnosis's or whatever they are? I mean, <laughs> I think they were dope for Shaq. We'll, we'll say that, but okay. definitely, there's definitely some room to be mocked there. And so, yeah, I think uh, I, I think Dame, Dame Dame's honestly a, a really good rapper, and uh, I'll, I'll give him some credit there. Okay. Okay. 
I mean, I'm coming in here got? not knowing anything, so I trust you. Okay. Uh, Adam West asks, Berg, what is your daily skin cleansing and moisturizing routine? Oh, snap. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can give out my secrets because if I do, then I'll have a bunch of Bergs walking around and heaven Please. knows the world does not need that. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> Please. I mean, we need ranch on pizza. Come on. Um, no, this is this is the best skincare routine. It's eat whole, minimally processed foods... And you're good. That's it. I mean, yeah, I take showers. Um, Thank goodness. And But that's – honestly, I don't go anything beyond that. I think pretty much the way to, to keep your skin looking good, feeling fresh is uh, not putting crappy stuff inside of you when you eat. And I think that goes a long way. Granted, Adam West, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a good-looking dude. He's got a good-looking family. I don't think he needs to worry about his skincare routine. He's been out in the sun hanging out in the Philippines getting in that vitamin D. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think he's doing just fine and I'm excited to see him at the thrice show in January. Oh, great. You guys always, you thrice or Emery or whatever you guys are seeing. I'm hope, I hope you guys have fun. Um, Thanks, man. here's one, here's one for you, Berg, and I'll keep this one private. It says, my question is what's a girl got to do to hang out with the Colby Berg Berg. We're all wondering, man. You're kidding me. Wow real thing well uh p- put me on the spot here i'd say uh, i say i'm flattered and you know it doesn't take a whole lot honestly uh actually this is what it takes it takes for this mystery girl to listen to the podcast we're about 47 minutes in so i'm not gonna text you i'm not gonna slide into your dm saying i got this response uh we're gonna put you to the test see if you're actually listening to the podcast and Ooh. i will go out with you let's do something fun Let's uh, let's set something up, but uh, you just need to text me and tell me that you heard the you you heard the <laughs> invitation on the podcast, and uh, we'll make it happen. So I'll leave it at that. Berg is selling himself for this podcast. Shout out Berg! Shout out the girl that was brave enough brave enough to ask him. Um, I definitely a, respect it. I do too. I respect it very much. Shoot your shot, girl. Um, here's a good one from Tom, and I don't want to get too far into this, but he says. Uh, if you could have one fix to American politics, what would it be? And this is loaded, dude, so we can keep this as short as possible. Oh, man. If I could fix one thing in America... I would fix... I would just say this, that the candidates had true and pure intentions to make the country a better place, despite what agendas um, their parties might actually push on them. But if they... It'd be nice if everybody just had real and pure intentions to uh, to make the country better. Yeah, same. Remove the toxicity. That would be my short answer. Um, Adam West asked another question, Berg. Personal fave, jazz jersey of all time? Question mark. Please don't say 1997. Even if it's that, give me another. Now I'm I'm going to die on a hill on this one, and I choose to die on this one. It's not my favorite of all time, but the black and copper jerseys are good jerseys. You can say what you want, but I think they're dope. And they're not saying my favorite, but I'm using this platform to say that I will die for those black and copper jerseys. Dude, I had a I had a Stockton jersey that that, that I absolutely cherished, and it was sad when I got too big to wear it. Um, that was the black and copper. I was a big fan of that. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of uh, the ninety. I mean, the '97 jerseys do carry a lot of nostalgia with them, and thankfully, we're breaking them out this year. I actually, I think I might like the white ones more. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I would say to, white 97. To, to satisfy his question. The yeah, white 97 are honestly the throwbacks they did last year. I think at the first I was kind of disappointed like when they were announced. Yeah, because I thought like, oh, I wish they would do the mountains. But then they actually grew on me over the year and I got myself a Donnie jersey. So I'd say I'd say the, the classic, classic yeah. OG jazz jerseys. And I would say honestly my favorite's the white classic OG with the, the note. Um... Let's see here. I don't want to skip so anyone. I don't want to skip anyone, but if we do, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of swiping through these things. Um, Berg. Oh, here's a good one for me. It says, what was it like growing up as a non-member of the LDS Church in Utah? I think we can can that and maybe have a longer response. That was from Bivy as well. He wants to know who's better at Goldeneye growing up. We never played each other in Goldeneye, did we? No, dude, we never played. Um, obviously, Goldeneye was probably the precursor to our love for Halo. And so... Yeah. That definitely developed into something, and I think we were 
pretty good match for each other. Yeah. Um, well, no, no. I mean, if the, if, the if Halo if Halo translates to Goldeneye, I'm probably a little bit better. <laughs> it's a hot take. That's a hot take. I don't know if I'm going to agree there. We. It, how about this? I def. Well, I'm not going to say I definitely take the cake for Halo One, but I think I I have a little more tenure there. Um. And Halo Two and Three are toss ups, so I don't know. We might have to just play a game and see. We'll let everyone know what happens there. Um, talk about upcoming movies, and then Mark shout out. That was Hannah An- or Hannah Brown now. Shout out Hannah Brown. Um, she wants to know if there's an update on the Cafe Rio girl. I don't know if you want to go in there. Do you at all? Honestly, shout out to the Cafe Rio girl. Bless her heart. She's awesome. Um, smart, beautiful, going in the right direction. For whatever reason, I don't exactly know. Like she went on vacation, then I went on vacation. Um, I think there was just kind of the X factor thing that maybe just didn't quite click. Uh, but no, she's she's great and awesome, and I, I wish her nothing but the best. But um, as of this point, uh, that is over. Oh, sorry to hear that, man. So yeah, we'll keep we'll uh, keep it simple like that. Um, her next question was talk about future movies, and then Mark. Shout out Mark Kaiser, who's been, I don't know, text me every day begging to be on the pod. Maybe we'll get him on one of these days. We got to make it happen. Shout out to Bloodbath. One of the greatest days of my life. Uh, we, we might need to have like a, a verbal recounting of the events that took place that day on Clash of Clans. Oh, it man. It was, history books. it was pretty awesome, man. I, I said we might need a Bloodbath, and sure enough, we got one. Um, so this kind of rolls into it because it's an answer to the question that Hannah as talk, talking about future movies says is 1917 the most anticipated movie to finish out 2019. Um, so the movie I did want to talk about in the future, the jo- Joker comes out this week. I think right now that's probably the most anticipated movie just because it's getting such great, I guess, reviews and people are just saying go see it. I will see it this week. Maybe I can follow up and give my review afterwards. Um, but I'm going to piggyback here on Mark's question in. I don't with Star Wars coming out around Christmas time, I think that's going to end up being the most anticipated movie, but for me, I'm a huge Star Wars fan and I'm not taking that away at all, but this is definitely a movie I want to talk about. 1917. I can do a nice little plug again for my boy Dan Carlin, Blueprint to Armageddon. What this movie is about, it's a big budget World War movie. Please tell me cuz I'd never heard of it, honestly. Yes. So yes, I'm excited. Okay, okay. So basically it's it's a story I don't. From what I get, it's kind of like a Saving Private Ryan storyline where these two guys are trying to find this other dude to tell him to like hold an attack, right? But whatever. But what's awesome about this movie is I've always wanted to see a big budget World War One movie, which I'm getting. Has a good director, solid director. But what's even more exciting is my man Roger Deakins is the cinematographer. Shout out to Mark again with his Fujifilm posts i think he's trying to capture that moody uh, roger deakins lighting but basically berg what what roger deakins is and why i'm excited about this he's he's truly a master behind the camera i'm not i don't want to get too nerdy about this but he's been nominated for like a ton of oscars maybe i don't know like 12 13 oscars um we're talking like he shot shawshank redemption he shot prisoners Sicario, the new Blade Runner, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, um, No Country for Old Men, Fargo. I mean, this dude. I'm reading. I'm literally just going down a list right now, reading uh, these movies. But he's he's basically the greatest ever. And here's the thing: this movie's supposed to feel like what they call is one. It's a one continuous shot, or they call it the Warner. Do you know what I'm talking about here, Berg? What the Warner is? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, the Warner, right? One continuous shot. I, uh, I think Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock kind of invented it, and but it was perfected and really made famous by the man, Steven Spielberg. Um, if anyone's seen that movie, Birdman, shout out Chafe. Uh, I know he loved Birdman when it came out. It's going to feel like that, but this is what's a twist on this. So they're going to make this feel like one long shot, but it's also basically shot all outside. And what that means is with camera work, everything's about light. And when you're indoors, you can really control that light. But when you're outdoors, you cannot have as much control over the light. We're talking about cloud cover. We're talking weather, the time of day, um, the time of year, really. All these things play into what you're able to shoot with. I mean, you can kind of dampen it and do a few things. There's a little bit of movie magic they can do. But a lot of it 
um, really comes down to like just being ready to shoot this thing. Um, I'm sure the challenge was insane, but I think there's going to be a great payoff for all the, the things they went through. So um, I'm really excited for this movie. It comes out around Christmas time. Everyone right now, Kurt Pruitt, subscribe to 1917. We should be seeing it. Everyone go see it. And, and answer, Mark, yes. In a way, besides Star Wars, it is the most anticipated movie for me to end out the year. Count me in, man. You want to know how uh, uneducated I am? I was thinking, oh, it's got to be Top Gun, and that doesn't even come out this year. So that's uh, <laughs> that's how how uh, um, in with in with movies I am. But no, that actually sounds way dope. Kind of worried about the new Top Gun, though. I don't know how I feel about Maverick being like the ba- the greatest Top Gun pilot. I mean, this dude shot down four MIGs over the Indian Ocean, and he's still he's still at Top Gun. I don't get it. So I'm kind of worried where they go with that, but I'm sure it's a really fun <laughs> fun movie. Uh, what what's next? We have any more questions to go over here? Shoot, um, we got got to give Emily Pruitt a shout out. I think you might know her. Uh, she wants to know who's better, Donnie or Donnie. We'll 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 go with Donnie there. Um, mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Joe Ingles. I'm going Joe Ingles. That's Finish your too. joke. Sorry. No, I was gonna say something about uh, Donnie Osmond, but we're not going there. Um, I good. think I think that's everything. Oh, Nate Steele. Shout out to Nate Steele. Proud shout member of the Steele. fellowship. Um, and current uh, all-pro surfer. Um, he wants to know what life lessons did the islands teach you? Now, unfortunately, um, Kurt, uh, you were not able to join me on this island quest. But I will say for the life lessons that I learned, one is to not trust an unofficial hiking guru of a specific island because if you do, you may end up waking up at one in the morning and getting lost on a hike. Um, and the other lesson is to anytime you see a place that has acai bowls, it's probably just worth it to stop and buy one because you'll start. I mean, once you're, once you're away from the Island, you just, you don't get the same quality of stuff and then you just crave it forever and you can't have too many. So I would say both those don't trust hiking (laughs) gurus and, uh, eat more acai bowls. Yeah. We'll have to do that. We might have to hear that hiking story one of these days. Um, dude, there's there's two here. Two here that are pretty loaded. One from Carl. So we've got Tom and Carl both asking questions. Tom wants to a loaded question. One. Carl, now this this has MySpace top eight uh, controversy written all over it. But he says, who's been your favorite guest host and why? I will plead the fifth on that one. Or I will say my dog, Sonny, because I think there's an episode where you can hear him barking in the background. So, yeah. Scary, Carl. I'm not answering that. I remember for, well, I David Locke had a guest appearance for about five seconds on the actual podcast that Carl was on. He should have remembered that. So I'd oh, say uh, David Locke is probably my favorite, uh, my favorite guest host. Utah so. Jazz. Um, no, I would never say him. Um, and then here you go, Berg. Matt Bilton wants to hear a three second of sickness from you. That was, that was what was seconds. that? I didn't even hear it. Oh my gosh! Woo! I don't know if we're gonna be able to top that. How do you feel? Honestly, I don't even know what you're talking about. Normals can oh, be okay. always been. <laughs> okay, um, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Brick, is there anything else we want to talk about tonight? I'll be real. Honestly, I dropped my computer about four minutes ago, so I don't even know if this is still recording. And uh, if it is still recording, whatever just happened in the last minute probably was the finishing touch. So it's probably best we just end this and uh, start again next week. (laughs) (laughs) Sold our souls on this one, everybody. We will talk to you next week. We'll have... I don't know. We'll have a preseason game to talk to you about something. We don't have to. We don't have to do what we just did. Everyone, have a good week. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Bye. You'll catch on and Then you can monster match.